You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hey, hi, hello, and welcome back to Fly on the Call, candid conversations on music. This week's guest is none other than Connecticut's premier party punk band, Chowsend. With two EPs and an album under their belt, the band has continuously been forming their own identity. With their new EP, Gary, the band is again taking a step forward. This conversation has us talking all about Gary, the band's history, and their mindset as a fun-loving band. Enjoy! So I guess I'm just out of curiosity, I kind of wanted to start with um, kind of like a little bit of the history of the band. I know you have a couple EPs and an LP, um, but like how, what was the kind of the process of getting all that stuff together for you? It, um, I sort of like my entire life wanted to be in a band. I had a lot of friends in bands, so I picked up a guitar and wrote a bunch of like not serious songs and I showed it to Brian, Jay, and Brad, and we were all kind of like living in the same area. And it sort of started as a joke, that first EP, definitely, definitely. And uh, <laughs> we were having fun with it, and like friends were coming to shows, and friends were showing friends. So we were like, you know, maybe, maybe there's actually something here. And from that first EP, there was a little more checks and balances with songwriting and stuff. And I think, you know, after 10 years too late and wizard wig kind of gaining an audience, we were like, let's write an album. And that's when we kind of went for the full length and uh, we were super stoked on that. And a lot of people seemed to like it. So the next thing was, let's just keep like making music and writing music. So we worked on Gary. <laughs> and I, think, I think that is like a really, good way to sum up how the band started and kind of the energy that we keep through it is like Brad and Jay were in bands in high school and stuff, but me and Matt like hadn't, I mean, Matt wrote those first songs like within the first couple of weeks of buying an instrument. So it was really like at the start of Chowson, it was like seventh and eighth grade, Matt and Brian, like fulfilling a rock fantasy yeah. for like, <laughs> lack of a better words. And then like, thanks to the internet just like started putting it up and people kind of paid attention to it a little bit more than I think any of us thought. So mm -hmm. it kind of got us pumped up about it, wanted us to keep doing it. And like, I feel like sometimes we felt like we were a little late to the game. Like we're all in our late twenties, like about to be turning 30. When we were starting, we were like, this feels like something we maybe should have started in high school and college, but <laughs> yeah, it keeps us, keeps us from going crazy at our, 
at our jobs and stuff. So yeah, <laughs> no, it's fun thing again. For sure, yeah, and I think it's really like awesome how kind of like organically um, is growing for you. I think that's uh, you know sometimes it can be like a really important thing for a band, like you know some of the bands that just kind of like blow up out of nowhere and then uh, you know it's kind of like similar to child actors and stuff. So <laughs> yeah, we definitely wouldn't have been the like had the attention span or work ethic to I think do this when we were like eighteen years old. So it's probably. That's probably why it didn't happen until yeah. we were old enough to at least have our lives together barely enough to start extracurricular. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. And um, I guess like kind of you mentioned, um, I kind of started just from writing a bunch of silly songs or whatever. And now that um, I guess that you're feeling like you're gaining some momentum and stuff and kind of it sounds like you're viewing the band a little bit differently. I'm curious how that like affects the way that you like approach it and um, like how you kind of balance that silly side with, uh, you know, a little bit more like maturity and stuff. So, and I feel like that kind of just comes down to like the, uh, like the way I go about like make, like writing a song and I kind of sit alone and play my acoustic guitar and maybe just like, riff some lyrics or I write some lyrics down and uh, I kind of bring it to Brian and it's kind of like, try this, don't try that. Or like, this is a little too much or like, this is great. And kind of also with our, our voice, we feel like, you know, there is like some important stuff that comes from like the earlier things, but carrying it through and not, you know, making it too explicit or too out there a lot of that gets old really quickly. So it's kind of finding like that right, um, like tone and vibe and making sure that we're comfortable with it. And Brian and Brian is like a huge help for me. I'm kind of like the one who's like, let's do this, let's do this. Like I have this crazy idea and Brian's kind of like, let's, let's take it back or like, yeah, like let's explore it. And Brian also does a lot of instrumental writing too, which helps me with like the lyrics and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's also a big part that like we started we started taking it more seriously in that like having a filter and I think like the the first EP was very much like first draft last draft like mm-hmm. let's get it made like I don't think we ever even like considered like cutting songs or anything it was just like yeah. hey we have these songs let's record them and put them out and now we actually like go through way more versions of songs like some songs don't get put on releases anymore so i think it was just kind of a maturity in how we approach it and what we want to do with it but not at the stake of like taking it too seriously because at the end of the day we want it to be fun and we want it to be authentic in ourselves and not overthink that but we also learn to get a little bit of a filter yeah (laughs) and also too in the recording process is like we had we had no idea what we were doing walking into a studio and then we have gone to the same place every single time and each time it's you know gets better we're more comfortable in the studio we work better we're able to try stuff we're able to like not like get rid of things it's just the we were, we're respecting the creative process it's learning on the job yeah yeah <laughs> yeah definitely I and mean, i think that's really cool how like you said, like going back to the same place and it's like, you know, you're 
kind of like by default, you're there with as much as you went in the last time, plus everything that happened the last time. So it's really cool that you're able to kind of like chart that growth even more um, like specifically just because it's like in the exact same environment. So that's really cool. (laughs) Um, And I I wanted to kind of hit on um, like the, your lyrical style as well, because I feel like um, a lot of the songs are very story driven um, in a way that I don't see a lot of bands do sometimes. Um, so I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, totally. Um, this is so crazy because I feel like I never have to really kind of I- explain myself, but it's kind of like a journal entry approach. Um, I might feel inspired by something that had just happened in front of me or something that's happened in the past. And it might just be as, as simple as writing a sentence or two in like my notes on my iPhone or jotting down some stuff like while I'm at work, just like a couple lines or, or some potential lyrics or even just like a word and kind of building it off from that. A lot of the songs are experience based and kind of things that have happened to me and have made me feel a certain way. So I kind of take real life situations that I've been through and I sort of just spitball at surface level and not try to hold back and kind of just feel like, you know, someone else out there probably feels this way towards work or a, like, I don't know, like a bad trip or something. So that's kind of where my head's at and stuff. Yeah. And I think it's that kind of surface level writing, like, I know that kind of could sound like an insult, but I think that's what makes it very much our own unique voice or Matt's own unique voice. And mm-hmm. and it's not like any veiled language or like flowery metaphors or anything. It's just Matt literally talking about what he's seeing and feeling. And that's why for us, like each release serves as such a nice kind of snapshot of what's going on in our lives. So like we can listen to definitely, definitely. And, cringe over like the things that were (laughs) troubling us when we were like 22 and now like each one hopefully it grows up a little bit the problems that we're talking about or like the experiences keep maturing with them like Gary definitely has a lot more stress of like career and like work versus like some of the more just like get like get drunk and party songs of thousand of early so yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah and i'm curious like as far as like the surface level um like lyrical writing um how does that kind of com- how do you how does it like play into the musical style of the band um i think it's just matt's really neurotic and anxious and that kind of comes across in the pace of a lot of it yeah <laughs> like sorry i didn't I, I wanted to get that in before you thought about it too much no that's right i just wanted to insult you really quick but, <laughs> no. no but like it's it's always an interesting thing for me reading the lyrics written down for the first time. And like when it's being sung and performed, you don't realize like how just string of consciousness it is. Like on our LP, the song Gin Muscles is like one sentence if you were to like put punctuation in it. Yeah. And I just think like that obviously ties into kind of the energy that I feel like our music gets at a lot of the time. It's just like, pedal of the metal like just brain into a phone note in a way yeah and it's like kind of we kind of like we'll take those 
lyrics and kind of Brian and I will sort of have a sense of what we kind of want it to do and sound like. And then it's kind of just like jamming it out, seeing what's working seeing what's not working. Not like, I don't think we're trying to do anything too crazy or sound too different. <laughs> we're just trying to make something that we're happy with and that we think other people will be stoked on and stuff. So <laughs> not much thought into it. We <laughs> just kind of have, that's lame to say, but it's, it's kind of us all getting into a room and jamming it out and, seeing what we like and going with it. Yeah. We're showing all of our cards. Anyone could do this uh -huh. and everyone, <laughs> everyone should. Yeah. Do you uh, want to start? Dance, Scott? <laughs> uh, I have no interest in writing music. I would be, I feel like I could be a decent singer in a band, but I have no interest in like writing lyrics or <laughs> songs at all. We'll make it work. We'll figure We'll figure out a system. I joined thousand <laughs> kind of expecting it to turn into a bar cover band, like within <laughs> months. Four to five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, when are we, when are we learning Bon Jovi? Yeah. <laughs> That's the goal, to be a Bon Jovi bar cover band. So when we're all 60. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I guess kind of, Actually, that's a, pr a pretty good segue because I wanted to talk about um, kind of like the role of homage in your music, like especially in Gary. A, a few of the songs have, you know, very um, like direct references to other songs. And I'm just curious how that kind of like worked its way into what you were doing and um, and stuff like that. I think that's like um, getting influences from like, other bands who have sort of done things like that. I've always like gravitated towards stuff like that. I know like, you know, like Vampire Weekend has done stuff like that. And I like early writing, like even in like 10 years too late, we, you know, we were ripping off, like not ripping off, but like yeah, ripping off, ripping off <laughs> like Grease. And like, to me, it's just like a fun way to kind of like meme yourself out a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, and I kind of find it all over through like all different types of music and it happened the most on Gary because there's like a, a obvious like um, Smash Mouth reference mm -hmm. but there's like the Simon and Garfunkel and Travis Scott happening and feel bad feel bad about it mm -hmm. and I don't know it's just I like when other artists do it so I kind of just like oh, I want I want to try that too and it's just something I've always kind of done and it's like a, a, I feel like a fun way to kind of just express yourself yeah we're like a meme account that makes music yeah <laughs> yeah that's actually I feel like that's a really good comparison because <laughs> like memes it's kind of like if you don't understand the reference it's like just like an inside joke in the same way with like you know I'm sure there's probably like references in some of the songs I've listened to that like I haven't noticed like I've actually been listening to fish lately for some reason I'm getting into like a, a fish phase and okay. um what like, are we talking about like fish 1.0 fish 2.0 like uh, I've been kind of going everywhere right now I'm uh going chronologically through the Madison Square Garden shows okay Did you get <laughs> the the donut the donut set where they were playing like a different donut each night not Pretty quite there yet i'm in like 1998 <laughs> but there's like a huge gap so so you have like 5000 more msg shows to go through <laughs> yeah. yeah pretty much i think i'm on like 9 out of 64 <laughs> my my best friend is uh like 
I, I don't even really know what I'm talking about, but I've listened to so much fish through him that <laughs> he's explained it to me like a million times. And I'm just like, oh, okay, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I've always had the right mentality for it. Like the hoarder collector mentality, but yeah. I, the music has just never clicked until like recently. <laughs> well, the, well, Trey went to uh, Taft, which is like a private high school in like uh, our hometown. Mm-hmm. So, so like my friend is like a weird like local nerd and is like <laughs> super into that and like yo he went to Taft he wrote this song here and and stuff like that. There are so many why people get into fish and like because I'm a fan of where the singer went to el- went to high, high school. school. Oh. It's the wildest origin story for a fan I've ever heard. Yeah, pretty yeah, cool. pretty much. Um, uh. But yeah, I don't remember where that question was going. (laughs) Um, Well, we're going to reference Fish in our next uh, album. It's just going to be like a horrible, like 45 minute jam sesh. (laughs) On our end. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. Um, But I I guess I also wanted to kind of um, hit on, I I feel like a lot of the lyrics, like you mentioned, you know, kind of a transition from like a partying phase to more of like a work stress centered phase. Um, but I feel like the kind of common denominator is um, sort of like trying to find where you fit in and like the kind of transition into like full adulthood. I'm curious kind of like how the music helps you kind of like deal with those feelings and uh, stuff like that. I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to like, this band is what keeps us from going crazy. Like it's always been an escape for us and it's always like obviously a passion, but it's never something that really felt like work. And I feel like that's personally like the music has grown up to be whatever outlet we've needed it to be at the time. And like, even just thinking about like how the songs on, on the CP are kind of organized and structured. It's like, it really does follow like just a snapshot of a typical week for us where it's like create like the high energy weekends and then kind of like the hangover and then the stress and then going back to work and being in like the monotony. And I guess like Matt writes m- most of the music and, and all the lyrics. And then I feel like I come in and try to like psychoanalyze Matt to apply meaning to it. But <laughs> I don't know. It really does feel almost like a subconscious expression, not to over intellectualize and sound like a douchebag, but like, I don't know. I don't even know if I'm answering the question right or I'm just like waxing. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything to add? No, I, Brian's right. I'll, I'll like write the songs and then like, we'll, we'll be like in the recording process and then like, we'll all be hanging out after a day about like being in the studio and we'll be out hanging out and Brian will create this like theory or this meaning for the album or the EP. And it's like, and then it it, like makes sense. And then we're like, holy shit, like that's works. And like, maybe we should reorder songs. Maybe we should like change the song titles. So yeah. But yeah, Matt just blurts it all out. And then I just like, 
try to get inside his head and figure out why he's saying the things and writing the stuff he is. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. I feel like I haven't really heard of like a kind of writing relationship like that. And um, like I, you always hear artists talking about kind of like how once it's out of their hands, it's kind of like up to the audience to decide um, kind of like the final, like what the meaning is to everyone. But so it's interesting kind of how there's like a little bit of a buffer between um, Matt writing the songs and then the audience finally hearing them. Yeah, I'll tell you what you're supposed to get out of it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and as far as like musically, um, Chausen is like really, I feel like there's a lot of variety there kind of like throughout the spectrum of rock music. And um, it reminds me a lot of like Sum 41, especially how uh, like their love of or, uh, like hair metal and like Iron Maiden stuff like, like that. And I'm, I'm curious, uh, like where kind of like all the the like melting pot of influences come for you and like how um I guess like seriously you take it in a way like how much are you seeking to um I guess like emulate the bands that you enjoy versus how much is it just like trying to find your own sound I think it's like a pretty even balance um like I feel we always feel weird trying to figure out what like genre or whatever we'll get like lumped into. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I find influence in like everything. And as like, I'll like re-listen to like system of a down and be like, Oh my God. Like, <laughs> like I love the way that breakdown sounds like, how can I, how can we like incorporate that? Or like, even like like Tyler the Creator and just like the way he wears like many hats and like produces his own beats and writes his lyrics and and sings and plays live instruments. Like I guess it's not really trying to like taking a direct tone or sound from something. It's kind of just getting a inspiration from like any sort of creative outlet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I like obviously you know there's like direct influence from like like you said, like a sum or a Weezer. Uh, but we all listen to different styles of music. Um, like Jay, our drummer, like he's really into the chariot. So he's always trying to like bang the shit out of his drums <laughs> and like ruin his drums set, like in every like show we have. And Brad is like, you know, like into a bunch of different like pop punk, like, real friends and like the older stuff and even the newer stuff like heart attack man like there's just so much different like influence to get from like back in the day or what's ever happening now and it it's kind of just like a massive massive melting pot and i think that's why we kind of we get lumped in the pop punk genre but Mm -hmm. like we don't really feel like we are Mm -hmm. I feel like that's what every pop punk fan says too. <laughs> Maybe. But we also, I don't think we're doing anything different or crazy or we're like, Oh, like check us out. But it's like, we just, we, we just, we don't really know. We take a lot of inspiration from a lot of different artists and stuff. Yeah. The other three guys were all definitely big, like hardcore kids growing up. And I was certainly not. We like play some shows with hardcore bands in Connecticut still. And I'm like terrified. And these guys, <laughs> Um, but as far as like the emulation versus inspiration point, I think like a lot of that comes with just continued growth as songwriters and as like a unit. 
Like, I feel like our early stuff, our genre is probably just bad Blink-182. <laughs> yeah. And I think, like, over time and, like, how you and I have kind of figured out our process for writing together and, like, what we like about what the band sounds like, it's, it's like, the growth of moving away from you just, like, being, like, that bad bar cover band that I wanted to be to, like, figuring out what your own sound is and how the twists that you put on your influences and in our case, like the combination of influences that you put together, mm-hmm. and how you put those together. So yeah. Definitely. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, as far as genre, I feel like party punk would be the, the perfect fit for you. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> put that in our bio. Can we quote you? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I guess you kind of you mentioned kind of like the idea of not being exactly sure what kind of um, like genre you you would be lumped into musically. Uh, I'm curious, kind of like because you know the internet is like so vast, like kind of anyone can find you in any way. Like from you know someone could find you because of like the breakdown in one song, and then someone could find you because of the drum fill in another song. Like someone recommended you. Like how, where do you kind of find most of your fan base like coming from or does it seem to be like super diverse um i think the two biggest things and one is cool and one is lame but also like the (laughs) internet um one is i feel like we make a lot of our new fans by playing any show that we get offered like we really try to not ever say no to any show that comes up and that (laughs) means that we're playing a lot of mixed bills for people who are fans of one kind of band or one genre that wouldn't maybe necessarily come see us just on their own or see us with if we were playing with different kinds of bands mm-hmm. um, and I think like I think we do a good job of winning people over um, or I like to think that we do mm-hmm. and like that's the biggest compliment that I feel like I ever get when we play shows is people saying it it looks like you guys were having a lot of fun and it was like contagious to be around. Wow. That's awesome. Like, and because we genuinely have so much fun playing these shows and like, we're saying yes to all these shows because it's how we like to spend our time and we like doing it. And like our band practices are just as ridiculous as our live shows because we are just having fun with our friends. And so that's kind of my like genuine answer. And then I would say the other thing is, and I have no idea how it happened, but like the internet and Spotify algorithms definitely just, it's really easy. And I go back to like anyone that wants to start a band should start a band because the internet makes it so that you could put something and not expect anyone to pay any attention to it. And then a, a Reddit post can like have Spotify robots working for you to push <laughs> your stuff out. Yeah. It's crazy to get like a, a DM from someone who's just like, 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 when are you coming to Brazil? And we're like, <laughs> uh, we don't know, but that's sick. And like, thank you so much. Like that, it, it, it blows my mind every time. And I also try to do my best to respond to all of those like messages or everything. Cause it, we are like, so, so excited to even get to the point where we're at. Cause again, we never really thought we would. So, it, it's definitely pretty crazy and, and it's easy if you like want to do it and start a band and get your music out there and you have the you know you just got to get on the internet and post it 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I'm curious, like you, you're mentioning like kind of how important uh, like these, the connections with your fans are and stuff. And I think that's kind of interesting because I, I think some people, you know, if you just kind of based on your lyrical content, you know, it would be kind of, we mentioned it's kind of like more surface level. Like it'd be kind of easy to assume that you don't really care about that kind of stuff. So I'm curious how, like where that comes from for you, you and like why you like, what kind of value you find in it. Yeah, I think it goes back to what we talked about in the beginning that like Matt and I kind of grew up. I mean, Matt started playing an instrument in his 20s. I played guitar since I was in seventh grade, but just by myself in my room. Like, so it was something that we always wanted to do. And I, I remember we, we filmed a music video for a song off our first EP that we to like as part of one of the shots for it we played for 10 15 of our friends in Matt's parents garage and I remember saying to myself like this was all I ever wanted like everything after this is bonus and I think it's like going in with such low expectations and like but like those I guess low expectations for like success of a band but such high personal expectations for like what we would get out of it Mm -hmm. Like the fact that anyone takes time to come see us or like that anyone wants to like listen to our music or like someone drew something because of one of our songs like that yeah. absolutely blows at least my mind like for the 13 year old kid teaching himself how to play Green Day songs in his bedroom like think like doing like fake like jumps and stuff by myself. <laughs> it's, a, it's like now like do it for people that are interested and care about it with some of my best friends. Like, I don't know. Or people will like, ask, Life is good. people will like ask us to like, can we, can I use your song in like my, like my video game edit or like I drew that, like Brian said, I drew this or I painted this and they send it to me and it like, it, it's like, it, it's crazy for us. And like, I'm like, yeah, totally use, use the song in your video game edit, send, send it to me when you're done. Like, we'll like, I'll share it like that or it just, it's crazy. Like we're, we're super appreciative of all that and all that has like come from that. We're constantly afraid that people are going to find out that we're just normal dudes that like have internet access and <laughs> free time and like playing music together. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think the normalcy is kind of like part of what like people are attracted to. Like they can tell how that you're being genuine and stuff. Uh, that means a lot. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, I guess I kind of just also wanted, we've kind of hit on the fact that you've kind of, you know, expanded your sound a bit since um, like the first EP and stuff. And I'm, I'm just curious kind of like how like Gary's kind of probably like the heaviest and uh, like grittiest stuff yet. I'm curious how you kind of like worked your way in that direction. Um, Again, like a lot of like, influence from like heavier bands um jay jay and brad were, were in like hardcore bands um i don't know if you've ever heard of surrender the dance floor shout out <laughs> but uh early it was like the attack attack sort of like tech crab core era they've 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 been in like involved in that and like we've all we always sort of like have like jammed heavier stuff or have tried heavier stuff and i think too it the pressure of just like us getting older um, kind of weighed on us and influenced us. And we sort of just like riding Gary 
before even like we're calling it Gary, I was noticing like, oh, like I want, I, I want to feel a certain thing at this point. Like, and it doesn't need to necessarily be lyrics. It mm-hmm. could just be with, like, like let's end this song with a breakdown or like, let's, let's stop the song completely here and then come, come back in even crazier. It was just sort of like, I, I just sort of something that I like, as I was like kind of coming up with the songs and coming up with the ideas was, I just kept, it just kept happening. Mm-hmm. And I, I also felt like it was kind of keeping the songs like a little more interesting. Mm-hmm. Are we just getting older and angrier? Yeah, we're getting <laughs> older and angrier with lower back pain. Yeah. Oof, I feel that. I feel that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's like really cool though, that you kind of allowed yourself to kind of see what, the song lent itself to rather than kind of saying like, okay, we're this kind of band. We have to stick to this genre um, that you kind of like let it kind of feel like you went with the flow. And um, I think that kind of like shows in the music as well. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That's really cool. Yeah. We almost, I, uh, the last song on the EP emergency contact Matt sent like an acoustic guitar recording of it. And it's kind of like a country pop punk, song like it's it's definitely a different song and he was like could this be a chosen song and it's like why not like why couldn't it be yeah and it, it was definitely not even supposed to like uh be on gary and but we just again like had so much fun playing it and practicing it that we were like let's why not let's just put it on and we also like the meaning of it and stuff <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I guess, since you mentioned it, can you, t- can you talk a little bit about the meaning behind it? I can, like, not write love songs. I've tried to, and I, like, I doesn't even, even, I, like, internally cringe, or I'll, like, <laughs> I'll delete notes out of my phone, or I'll, I'll record something, and, like, maybe I'll send it to Brian, and even Brian will be like, like, what is this? Like, so, I, I, like... To me, a love song in like my brain is like something that's a little morbid and a little more like dark, a little funny too. Um, So I like just, I have just recently moved in with my girlfriend over the summer and I was switching all my addresses on like work stuff and bills and everything. And I uh, got asked to put in like my emergency contact and it's always been like my mom or my dad and like I'm like don't live with them anymore so for the first time I was like putting in like my significant other and like in that moment like to me that was like a moment of like kind of like I felt like love or something as cheesy as that sounds like <laughs> like if I die they're not going to contact like my mom at this point they're gonna t- contact like my girlfriend and that's like she's the most important person to me at this point in my life so I threw together some scenarios or situations that you know could happen to me and based it off kind of the the chorus of the song you're you're my emergency contact and wrote it and like brian said i sent it to it and i was like this sounds different because all the other songs were written at that point but we like everyone liked it we we jammed it out and then we had a lot of fun recording it in the studio yeah and that's one that we moved around as far as like the sequencing of the track order a couple times and 
ended up landing on the fact that it feels like a really nice bookend to not only the EP starting on like continuation of that younger early mid twenties, like want to party, like, and then immediately feeling bad about it on the second track and then kind of a nice ending and almost like a nod to maybe like what the next chapter of Chowson might look like is this like of like this relationship and like getting older and having more meaningful relationships. Like we talk about like Chowson doesn't have an end goal. Like it would be really great if we could just have like video or like music accompanying it to like our lives when we're looking back on it. So like Chowson could eventually write like a, an EP of lullaby as if like one of us had a kid or something like that. So like, I think it, it does kind of pair nicely with some of the themes of the album, but also just kind of nods to maybe what's next. And it has awesome cow, an awesome cowbell. Yeah. First, first cowbell. Yeah. First cowbell. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a important time in one man's life. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> oh, and then I, I like to kind of like, always ask the same question at the end, which is just either for um, like a piece of advice or um, something you've been thinking about either about like life and or music that you just kind of like to share. Yeah. Something that we've kind of as a a band has become more of a thing is, you know, those uh, life is good Mm t-shirts like that really cheesy, like stick figure brand where it's like a guy, like it's mostly like father's day gifts of like, (laughs) like a stick guy golfing a stick guy fishing and it just says life is good like i i got a t-shirt like one of those at like a like a vintage shop and it was kind of as a joke but i feel like for me at least like that shit was the lamest thing in the entire world when we were growing up but i feel like i'm at the point where i get it <laughs> like, appreciating I have one. yeah mac got one recently so we're like it's gonna be the band uniform is, yeah, yeah. A sponsorship from Life is Good would be huge, huge. For us, but <laughs> no, I think, and like, I'm probably going to be embarrassed listening back to this and hearing how like sappy and emotional I probably am coming across, but like, I think it does tie into the band so much of just like an appreciation for like everything that we get to do and like everything else that we'll get to do in yeah. life. So that's mine. I don't want to speak from that <laughs> i i would just say my my entire life i thought i could never like pick up an instrument and i struggled academically and stuff like that and my advice i guess would be with like go you know pick up an instrument like learn the drums bang on pots and pans or you know make a beat on your computer like you can do it it's not that hard anyone can do it and, you know, don't be afraid to sit in your room and sing songs and yell weird shit and <laughs> see what you can make from it. It, yeah. it helps. It makes, you know, you know, it's a, it's a good way to express yourself. I feel like, you know, if more people explored that, you know, it'd feel better. There you go. You've completed your studies in Chowson 101, and you're all set to fully enjoy Gary when it's released on Leap Day. And believe me, you need that primer, or you would have been at risk at having your face melted off. Be sure to give it a listen as soon as possible, and check out Chowson's record release show with Cheem, Mandala, and Mighty Tortuga on March 14th at Shamrock Pub and Grill in Waterbury, Connecticut. 
there's a good chance I'll be there. Thanks again to Chowson for taking the time to chat. A special thank you as always to The Alternative for helping to promote the show, Kaylin West of Tiny Stills for the theme song, and Michaela Jane Palermo for the artwork. You can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast and following the show on Twitter and Instagram at FlyOnTheCallPod. Feel free to email any questions, comments, or other feedback to me at FlyOnTheCallPod at gmail.com. Have a great week, and next time, don't forget the beers. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.